Hi, welcome to the Tanakh Talks podcast. This is Yaakov Beasley broadcasting from Malone Shfut in the hills of Judea overlooking Jerusalem. Right now, it is Friday before Shabbat Vayakal Pekude, and we'll be recording a very short thought on the two endings of Sefer Shemot. Why does Exodus end twice? I'm in the quarantine room, so it should be quiet. You'll be able to hear over occasional rain and people traveling outside as people go get food, and only people go and get food outside. So let's begin. When we look at Sefer Shemot, Sefer Shemot, of course, is full of dramatic, dramatic stories, the freedom of the Jewish people from Egypt, the plagues, the receiving of the Torah at Sinai. Yet it's interesting that if you look at the Ramban's commentary, Nachmanides, he says the highlight of Sefer Shemot is not to get the Jewish people out of Egypt, nor the receiving of the Torah, the revelation at Sinai, but rather the highest point, the climax, the purpose of Sefer Shemot, Exodus, is to get us to chapter 25. And what is chapter 25? That we should be able to build a Mishkan. And it's a fascinating comment, and we'll discuss about this more. But we're going to use this, keep this comment in mind as we read the last several verses of Sefer Shemot, Perak Mem, chapter 40, near the end. The Mishkan has been set up, Moshe has set everything up. Except the courtyard, all around the Mishkan and the altar. He set up the screen. And Moshe completed the work. And then it states, And the cloud covered the meeting. The, the cloud that's protected between God and B'nai Israel. And the glory of Hashem filled the Mishkan, the tabernacle. And it states, So Moshe could not enter the meeting. How? He could not enter the Oho Moed because the Anan was there. Which is a very interesting way to end the story. Moshe's worked so hard and the Jewish people worked so hard to build this tabernacle, to build this Mishkan, and all of a sudden, they find themselves unable to actually use it because Hashem has placed his cloud upon it. And as long as the cloud is there, you may not enter. Similar to what happened way back in Sefer Shemot, where Hashem puts the Anan, nobody can go through. And if this was not strange enough, I would now continue to the second half of the ending part section of chapter 40. It then states, Suddenly, when, and, but when the Anan goes up, pause, what would I expect? Moshe could go in. But it doesn't say that. When the cloud rises up the Mishkan, B'nai Israel go out on their journeys. So if the cloud is not there, or if the cloud rises, B'nai Israel can travel, and if not, they have to stay where they are. And that's how Sefer Shemot ends. What is the meaning of this enigmatic ending? There's two endings here. First of all, there's the building, and Moshe's inability to end the Mishkan, and then the discovery that the Mishkan, the purpose of the cloud, is, as it were, a signal like flags, as penaphor flags on a ship, seven four flags on a ship, Telling you can go, you can't go, you can go, you can't go.
What is the meaning of this double ending? And I want us to share with you an idea I first learned from my teacher, my beloved teacher, Rabbi Menachem Litek Shlita, that discusses the two endings. And I think just on a textual level, but you can build a tremendous philosophical and really very meaningful idea from this. So we have two endings, but is it really the ending? So this is a trivia question I love to ask my students. What day in Tanakh is mentioned in three books? Well, most people would say, okay, leaving Egypt and the Matan Torah and all these great, and the creation of the world, that's true. But what day in Tanakh is actually described in real time as, as happening simultaneously in three separate books? The answer, of course, is Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the first day of the month of Nisan, in their second year when they've just finished completing the Anan. That's the day that this story is happening, when they have completed the Mishkan. But it's also described again in Vayikra, where they describe the inauguration ceremony, and of course, eventually the tragedy that will befall Aaron's two children, Nadav and Vihu, which is a fascinating thing in and of itself, and we'll talk about it in a couple weeks, please God. But, again, it's the same day. So, Shmot does not want to tell me the story about the what happens in the inauguration during Vayukra. But that story, now, this day actually appears in one final place. When does it appear? When does it occur for a third time? In Sefer Bamidbar, in Numbers. When it describes the gifts that the the heads, the princes, the Nisim are going to bring at the dedication of the Mishkan, that very long section that we read in chapter 7 in Sefer Bamidbar. So we have here the same day, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the second year, occurring in three separate places. And more than that, we see that there's a split. We have the description, okay, they built the Mishkan. And then Vayikra says, let me tell you what's going to happen inside the Mishkan on that day. And that makes sense. But how does it affect the Jewish people on the outside? And that's Bamidbar's rule. How does it affect them on their travels? So Rav Menachem Liebtag points out, he says, well, why don't we just look and go ahead to Sefer Vayikra first? What is the first verse of Sefer Vayikra? Vayikra el Moshe, Vayiber Hashem elav, mi'oho mo'ed le'mor. And Hashem calls to Moshe, and God spoke to him, saying, from the Oho Moed, and this is what, from the Oho Moed, meaning, Moshe cannot go into the cloud and go into the Mishkan until God calls him in. So what we're just like Har Sinai, when God calls, then Moshe can go up into the cloud. Here too, Moshe cannot go into the Mishkan, into the Oho Moed, the tent of meeting, until God calls him in. But we wait until God makes the call. And if you if we were to have taken the first verse of Vayikra, the first verse, and put it right after verse 35 in Shemot, Moshe could not enter the meeting because the cloud rested on it. And then read immediately, and God called to Moshe, and he spoke to him. That would have fit perfectly, would have flowed beautifully. And that's the first ending of Shemot, that, look, now the Mishkan is done, and now we can talk about how this affects the Mishkan itself. And that's the role of Sefer Fayikra, the our movement to the center, towards holiness in Kedusha. But there's another place where this is called out. And here we go into the discussion of, remember, Shemot does not end with the Mishkan Moshe going in, but rather it ends with, and when the cloud goes up, they set out, and when the cloud did not go up, they um, stayed where they are. 
And Bamidbar Tet has this has the continuation. It says in Pasuk Perik Tet, Pasuk Tet Vav, chapter 9, verse 15, Ubiyom Hakima etamishkan, kisahayanan etamishkan lo ohaledut. On that day, the cloud covered it, and there was an appearance of fire until morning, and so it was that it was covered at non by day, fire at night, and then, according to the way the Adan would appear, did not appear so too, but Israel would travel. And this tells us this is a secondary and equal role to the Mishkan. It's not just that we are to direct our energies towards the center, towards God, towards holiness but rather that God comes out of the Mishkan as it were and controls how we go forward in the day-to-day world. So we have these two, I wouldn't say competing drives, complementary drives within the system here as described in Shemot, and that's why we need two endings. We have the ending of, let's focus on the Mishkan, let's focus on directing ourselves towards goals of holiness and sacrifice and things that we offer to God. But also, God now comes and leads us as we make our way in the world, quite literally. God tells us, here's how we go forward, and here's the direction we go forward, and when to go forward, and when not to go forward. That God accompanies us. Remember, the goal of the Mishkan is not that we should have a dwelling place for God, that we come towards Him, but also, that God can dwell among us in all of our day-to-day things. It's a very interesting time to be saying this. This is part of Vayakel, a time when Jews are supposed to really gather together. That's what Vayakel means, to gather. And yet we find ourselves not able to gather together in towards our mishkans, our tabernacles, our synagogues, our places of meeting. We find, we find ourselves isolated. So here we have to rely on the second ending, that at this point in time, just as God says, do not go forward, Okay, but God will come and lead us into where we have to go in our day-to-day routine, as strange as as it may be. And it's these two dimensions, two complementary dimensions that um, the cause Sefer Shemot in the way it does. On one hand, we need to be directing our energies towards prayer, even if alone, towards Torah study. But we also have to be continually trying to involve ourselves in the world and be aware of what's happening in the world and finding ways to assist in every way possible this time of crisis. We may not be able to visit our grandparents, but we have to be calling them, we have to be speaking, we have to make sure every members of our community are okay. Not to, if going out is endangering them, then we should not be going out, and if going out is what people need, this is what we have to, okay, but to make sure that they do have food and there are people constantly in touch. There has to be physical distancing, but there really shouldn't be social distancing. Our social needs with each other, this is not the way of the Jewish people. are always looking out for one for another. As the health minister, ministry official said last night, it's amazing how the solidarity that the Jewish people have went in times of crisis. May we continue to maintain that sense of brotherhood and friendship, among us, and hopefully as we go in the right path and God leads us just as he does at the end of Sefer Shemot, we will be able to see an end to the crisis in much better times ahead. Shabbat Shalom.